0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know that I've opened up enrolment again to my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. I ran the course for the first time earlier this year with a group of vegan business owners and entrepreneurs from across the globe over a 12-week period, and it now comes with a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live question and answer call. You can also post your questions on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches to get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses, and it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. Some of the current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but you don't have the budget to hire a publicist or a PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this programme. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enrol. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the course, Vegans in the Limelight. In this episode, I interview Billy Simmons, founder of Eco Superfoods, a natural, vegan and organic health and fitness products company in Queensland, Australia. Billy is a martial artist, bodybuilder, powerlifter and winner of the 2009 Mr Universe title in Hollywood. An authority in health and nutrition, he served as a strength and conditioning coach to athletes around the world. 20 years ago, he worked in the supplements industry in a health food store that is part of the largest chain in Australia. After working in corporate banking later in life, he left to start Prana On, a supplement range which is now carried in stores across Asia, including Australia, New Zealand, Brunei, Indonesia, Singapore, Hong Kong and New Zealand, either directly or through a distributor. After gaining a sterling reputation among vegans and non-vegans alike for Prana On, Eco Superfoods launched a second brand, Kaya Health, a nutritional supplement formulated for weight loss. Billy is an advocate for healthy eating, the environment and compassion for both people and animals. To celebrate his 10th year of advocacy work, he teamed up with In Defence of Animals to launch a global high school speaking tour to inspire young adults to lead a life of strength and kindness. A popular speaker, he's currently writing a book to share his journey, lessons and teachings for success, and is the host of the recently launched Power Plant Radio podcast. In this interview, Billy talks about What gives his company a point of difference and why he refuses to pitch against competitors? What draws non-vegans to the Prana On brand? How he came up with the Prana On name and what it means? What he looks for in a brand ambassador and people seeking sponsorship from the company? Why he chose to employ a sales team in Australia rather than using a distributor? The benefits to the business of launching his own podcast, how to scale up your business the smart way, why you shouldn't give away equity in your company just for dollars alone and what to seek instead, and much more. Here's the interview with Billy Simmons from Eco Superfoods. Hello, Billy. Thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much, Katrina. How are you?
0: Oh, very good. Very happy to speak with you because I believe you're in California at the moment in Orange County, so you're a very busy, busy person traveling all over.
1: Yeah, the travel doesn't stop. Um, I'm just here for some work and trade conferences. And then I'll be returning back to the Gold Coast, which is home in Australia.
0: Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, look, the first thing I always ask everyone on the podcast is why they do what they do. So you've very much got a background in fitness and you started um, your company, Eco Superfood. So tell us a bit about the why. Why do you do what you do and why did you start the company?
1: Wow. Okay. So my big why is really, first of all, Personally, it's providing an example of what can be achieved following an ethical and, and uh, vegan lifestyle. And that's most relevant for me in the athletic realm. So in the sports that I've, uh, I've, I've been pursuing for a long time, which is bodybuilding, uh, powerlifting, and martial arts, I've really put myself forward and said, okay, I'm going to compete. I'm going to um, show people rather than just tell them that I believe it's a, it's an advantageous way to to improve your health and your performance, I'll compete at a high level. And then I guess the, the company for me is an extension of that and it's really providing a solution then by saying to people, okay, so uh, plant-based vegan is the way to go. And in the fitness community, there's a huge, uh, I guess, myth that you need things like whey protein, uh, which is from dairy, you need meat, um, you need all these things. So that's a, a real big part of the culture and, and the psyche in those um, genres. And so the company for me provides solutions that are all vegan-based to say, hey, you don't need to have whey protein. Uh, we've got an excellent you know, plant-based protein that tastes amazing. And it really opens up the the minds of people in that community to say they can interact with vegan products, they can start to learn more about the benefits of vegan nutrition and then also by virtue of that they're learning also about the uh, ethics and uh, also the environmental ad- advantages of it. So it, I see it as a gateway just to promote that message in a, in a way that that I can relate to in my community.
0: Fantastic. I love that. It's a really great example of a mission driven entrepreneur that you're able to, as you said, I love the fact that you said you provide a solution, which is really important because you're right, it's all very well to sort of preach to people uh, about this stuff. But to actually walk your talk and provide solutions, I think is is fantastic. So thanks for sharing that. So in terms of that, then in in regards to your main clientele, are they mainly vegans? Or what percentage of your, your customers are vegan compared to non vegan
1: well, I believe that the vegans love what we're about because they look behind the surface of the company and they see me, they see uh, what we stand for, they see that we, we do a lot uh, in terms of supporting uh, sanctuaries and animal uh, activism groups. At the same time, they, and they love that fact because, in, again, in our community, there isn't a lot of companies that, first of all, A, are completely vegan and we're certified vegan through uh, vegan.org. Uh, which is a UK-based organisation, so they conduct an audit of both our, our facility and our ingredients to ensure that there's no animal products or byproducts whatsoever in our um, what we produce, and we don't have any animal products used on our equipment either. So that's really for us um, a point of difference in the market, and I think the vegans really relate to that. They that community sees that and says, "Thank you so much for." not only being 100% vegan and promoting it the right way, but also uh, the fact that we do it in a way that's cool. So we're not like a daggy fringe <laughs> business. We're a we're a mainstream company. And I have to say our biggest clientele are the non-vegans. They just know, first of all, they a, a lot of them probably know me and my background in fitness. And then they also are drawn to the brand because they... They also, whilst they may not be vegan, they at least can appreciate that, that what I've stood for for so many years and what the brand stands for is that. And so when they're looking to maybe incorporate vegan products into their regime, is really one, the brand is Prana on. Uh, and, and so many uh, people out there that they, they want to try a vegan product or they, they know it's better for them but they've been held back because they don't like the taste. They don't like the look. They don't like who's behind it. There could be a whole bunch of reasons with our brand. We kind of tick those boxes that welcomes them in and says, Hey, we don't mind if you're not a vegan. Uh, This is what we're about, but everyone's on their own journey. I didn't start on this earth as a vegan and, and it wasn't until the later half of my life that I, um, I started going plant-based. So I think that, um, Having that that mindset as a as a company and a culture and, and as a brand, we attract so many people that aren't vegans.
0: Brilliant! No, oh, that's wonderful because that's what we want to do. I mean, it's great. Like the vegans, we always find out you know the cool vegan products because that's just what we do. But it's it's great when we you know it's important to really get out there into the mainstream. And I'm assuming as well that the supplements are obviously you know sports people are going to get them, but anyone can have them like to improve their general health and fitness. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. So we have customers from all walks of life. I've got everyone from young boys, teenage boys that just want to put on weight and their parents are worried about what they're taking. And so they want a clean product that's going to help them, particularly boys that, that are growing really fast. They, they don't have a lot of weight on them. And yeah, they, they don't want them having products that are laden with chemicals or animal products in their bodies. Yeah. So they love us. And then I've had everyone right up into the other end of the scale. I've had a, I would say probably an 80 year old grandmother that she got told by her doctor, you need to have more protein and she needs, she can't really eat it as efficiently as, um, as say a young man. So she finds that, that our products help meet that need. So we have all walks of life um, and certainly general health performance, vitality, energy they're all aspects that our products promote.
0: Got it got it so you started out in fitness and then you started essentially a a supplement company that's quite a big change Um, so I'm curious can you talk a little bit about what some of the key challenges were when you first started the company with the Prana on brand?
1: Well I left uh, so I I worked in the industry in the supplement industry actually 20 years ago in a health food store that's is part of the largest chain in Australia and actually this month it's their 30th year anniversary and they've actually put me on the front cover and done a big story on Pranai. Oh,
0: on. nice, nice. Yeah, and
1: we're, <laughs> we're ranged through 150 of their stores across the country and that's that store that I used to work at 20 years ago is where my journey to being vegan began. So it's – and that particular store, it's a health food store that I would stack the shelves – and I'd learn all about the industry and I'd learn all about health and nutrition. And that's what started me on that journey. I left corporate banking later on in life and got the company started. And it, it took a few different ways for me to try and get the brand going and, and get it out there to people. Uh, and then some of the challenges for me that, that I faced have always been, uh, as any entrepreneur may uh, experience, it's money it's the people uh it's the timing it's so many different aspects we run a very i would say a a decent medium-sized business now with everything from procurement manufacturing warehousing distribution sales back office so there's a lot of moving parts to our business now yeah but it's certainly in in the early days when it was just me uh it was really just the hardest challenge i had was keeping the dream alive in spite of a lot of reasons and opportunities that could have led me to give up.
0: Yeah, because it's a it's a very competitive industry, isn't it? The supplements industry. It's really you know lots of big players in there. So, what do you think have been? You touched on that. You said some of the challenges. If you can expand a little bit about on what some what they were and how you, how you overcame them.
1: Well, there's a lot of uh, there. It's very established. It's a very mature industry, and it's very much driven by fads. I think that timing now—that uh, the vegan movement is uh, is certainly growing. So the timing has really, I, I believe, been good to us um, as a company. But I've, I guess, uh, when I started uh, getting going, some of those challenges, uh, in particular, um, just keeping the dream alive. I was frustrating trying to get samples done of the products. It was extremely frustrating getting uh, stores to believe that, that a, a vegan product could uh, sell the way it sells. Um, you've got a lot of companies fighting for the same shelf space yeah. in a store. So uh, there was enormous uh, hurdles trying to get it into becoming a preeminent brand that's blocked in every store and all the major retailers across the country and internationally that's taken the the, the amount of challenges Katrina I mean there's been hundreds and they continue I think the 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 way to overcome them is to evolve and is to uh, see them as an opportunity to become better so in every every time that there's a challenge presented it just comes down to your your mindset in dealing with it's this an opportunity to grow and become better or does is it the the issue that is the undoing.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, that's interesting about the, the mindset. Um, yeah, for sure. So now you said that you, you're you in several retail outlets um, uh, across Australia and New Zealand, I believe. Um, are they predominantly health food stores? Or I'm, I'm just curious about approximately how many you're in and, and what type of outlets they are.
1: The, the brand is currently across uh, Southeast Asia, so a number of countries, Brunei, Indonesia, malaysia singapore hong kong uh might have said indonesia but that that's market for us as well um then we've got new zealand australia so the uh, the brand uh is probably ranged in in i wouldn't i'd say under a thousand stores probably a bit less than that but but certainly somewhere between the maybe 500 to a thousand uh places across those regions so it's hard to pinpoint a number because in any given situation uh, you have stores drop out the bottom that that don't trade anymore or uh, for whatever reason don't reorder but but in any one point in time you'd probably have about 500 stores and then and then in the other regions that we we have distribution in i wouldn't know i think it'd be I don't, I don't, I really don't know how many stores, but, um.
0: Right. So are you saying, so you'd supply direct to some stores and then you have distribution for others?
1: Yeah. So, so in other countries, in other countries. So, um, so take Singapore, for example. So we'd have, have a, a company that distributes our products there and they are responsible for getting them out to stores. So, uh, that just is, is the business practice that, uh, has been, um, undertaken and, and, uh, yeah, so that's why it's hard to pinpoint an exact number. Sure.
0: So what about in Australia? You supply directly to the stores. You don't use a distributor here.
1: No. How no, come? Don't. Uh, We wanted our – we've invested in a full-time sales force in every state of the country, and that was a conscious decision because if you go with the distributor, you're giving away a lot of margin. You're also giving away the story. You're giving away the, uh, the brand's – exclusivity in in a sense of uh it's now a brand in amongst other brands for a distributor that might carry 10 plus brands so i think that for us to really stand out in the market it's about having people that are dedicated to our mission as a company Uh, and that that only comes about by building a team
0: wow so you've actually got those people on staff
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow.
0: That's interesting. I think some business owners I've spoken to, they've told me a few horror stories around distributors and part of that is what you touched on in that you just become one of many brands and because they're a distributor representing all these brands, they can't possibly represent yours to the best they possibly can in the way that, yeah, someone who's dedicated to do that. So do you think that's been key to your success?
1: It's certainly been part of it. I know brands that do very well with distributors, but in our industry, Uh, The distributors are very active. They take on new brands all the time. So we're in it for the long haul. So we need uh, our own team talking about our brand and we're building those relationships with customers.
0: Got it. Fantastic. Wonderful. So we talked about now there's, we've touched on the fact there's actually now more even a diverse range of vegan and plant-based supplements, perhaps not yet in Australia, but certainly internationally. And I think you've touched on this a little bit, but I was just curious about how you go about standing out and maintaining clients and customers and whether you've got any plans to perhaps go overseas into say the UK or the US markets and how you think you'll stand out in that arena.
1: Certainly. So I think standing out is all about authenticity and and your story. So we're not a me too company. There's plenty of plant-based vegan options out there available to people, but a lot of people look behind the product and want to know a little bit about the brand and they want to know who's behind it. There's a lot of information out there and people are good at dissecting it these days. So I think that authenticity is a key point of difference that that we've got as a company so we're not just jumping on the bandwagon it's been a mission of mine to bring these products to the market for a long time so uh, that resonates in the community that we have because i've been active in that community i the relationships i've got with my customers are in a lot of cases because they're my friends they're people that i know they're people that i've built relationships with when i was an athlete or when i was a consumer or just when i was in the in the business world. So I think that's a, that's a really strong point. As far as the UK and uh, US goes, yeah, there are certainly big markets and over time I'd like to be able to participate in those. But at the same time, I, I think that um, Australia is also, for us, that's, that's a really big focus because it is a community that I understand, that I know, and it, it's a market that I think that we can still do better in.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I like that you've touched on the whole uh, relationships and collaboration, which I was going to ask about as well because a lot of, you know, in marketing circles, people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't even think about having competitors, that everyone is really a collaborator um, and potentially to do joint ventures with. So what are your thoughts on that and what kind of partnerships, um, if any, have you done with perhaps other supplement companies or complementary companies?
1: Sure. So in terms of competition, there's other companies out there that pitch against us, and the, for us as a brand, we don't pitch against anyone else. We are who we are, and
0: what do you mean pitch against you?
1: Well, they they will compete against us. They will talk about us in comparison to them. So they might I've
0: got it. Okay, yeah.
1: they might be with a customer, uh, and they might say our brand is better, our products are better. I see. Than, than Prada on for these <laughs> reasons. We don't need to do that. We're not trying to compete against anyone. I believe we'll continue to, to evolve and innovate and carve our own space. So I'm building a, a tribe of, of, and a community of, of customers and loyalists to the brand and what we stand for. And I don't believe that in that space, uh, then, then we're threatened by uh, competition and at the same time, there's certainly a lot of other companies we can collaborate with. I appreciate that that there's, there actually needs to be competitors. There needs to be brands out there doing, telling their story because there can't just be one brand. Yeah. Um, if you, It can't be all things to all people. And I like that there's other companies out there doing interesting things. Uh, certainly some of them are doing things that I wouldn't necessarily believe in or, or uh, support. That's their prerogative and there's a market for them too. So I, I think that's healthy. I think that as long as there's companies out there innovating, everyone has got a place. And at the same time, that causes us to be also mindful of continuing our story as well and not becoming complacent.
0: Yeah, nice, nice. And I like that aspect of, yeah, you don't need to, I'm a great believer in, you know, you don't have to trash so-called competitors in order to elevate yourself. And I think on a sort of unconscious level, I think certainly some customers would pick up on that and feel it's a bit icky. So yeah, no, that's a a great approach. So on marketing and PR, then, can you tell us about what are some of the marketing strategies that you've used that have been successful in growing the business?
1: I think just being uh, active in the community, and that it, for us, that's involved um, with being at fitness expos, trade shows, events, uh, and and also uh, social media. So we've got a very strong presence uh, physically. So if there's big events, we like to be there, and in fact, we're in most cases we're always there at all the expos events, um, and that's both. Mainstream fitness events and then vegan specialty events and different athletic uh, sports. So CrossFit, bodybuilding, yoga. So we're in those uh, communities and we're in those events that, that they hold generally the bigger ones. And then at the same time, our social media, which is where we're able to harness the the viral aspect of what we do, which is when people love what you stand for and love your products, they will, they will pitch, they, they will put it out to their friends, they will share that information, they will post about you and then having that engagement on the other side with our social media team to be able to continue that feedback uh, loop. So therefore we're creating this vibe and this this idea that, wow, you guys are everywhere. Yeah. And, that, and that's what, and that's what yeah. we need to do.
0: Absolutely. What social media platforms are you most active on or have been most successful?
1: Instagram and Facebook, for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what kind of content do you put out? Like, are you constantly just, like, promoting the actual products or are you creating more? What content do you find gets most engagement?
1: I think, uh, again, that that authenticity. So I think it's about um, people. It's about uh, the community. It's about what they're doing. It's about how the products support what they're doing. So social media is an excellent platform. Uh, for us it's enabled us to really build on the community that we already had and that i brought into the brand Uh, so and it's always evolving as well we also facebook we always uh, put links out there to articles and features around more general health and and things that that are maybe a bit outside the scope of just our brand and then I also do a podcast myself. So we've got Power Plant Radio.
0: Yes, I was at- going to ask you about that. Tell us a bit about that, why, why you started it and what benefits are you getting or hoping to get from it? Because I think it's quite new, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, so we're actually, uh, we've we've done three episodes and I've got a further five before the year is out. And it, it's a great way. We're filming it on Uh, For YouTube, it's also on Facebook Live. We can have people actually put questions to us as we're doing the podcast. Uh, And it's also on iTunes and SoundCloud. And the feedback's been excellent. And it's just about, they're they're not necessarily people that are sponsored athletes. They're not necessarily vegan. but They're people that have a, a great standing in their community. And I take great pleasure in speaking with them, learning something from them. They also in most cases they're they're a part of our tribe so they're a part of our brand in some way and they also share a lot of the philosophies that the brand espouses
0: got it got it so in terms of the the benefits you're hoping to bring to the business is it about you're getting guests on and then they share it with their communities so it helps to build your brand awareness in that way is that right
1: it is and i really it's it's uh, as a company you have a certain amount of dollars you can spend on marketing every year for example and if, for me that's a, a smarter spend because I'm able to invest in telling our story and and building on the philosophy of the brand versus putting money into a, a magazine a mainstream magazine or or print media or TV advertising where the narrative is controlled by that particular forum or or, um, or you know editor so I prefer to be able to uned- unedited and unadulterated and <laughs> uninfluenced to help bring to bring into our community so it's, it's not only a benefit for sure they'll, they'll share it with their community at the same time it's bringing uh, our community more more of a richer experience by bringing more information and we're able to do that in a way that that isn't filtered, which is a problem with media these days. So it, I would rather spend my money on the message that that I want for our, our tribe and our community to receive rather than put it out there and then suddenly, uh, I'll give you an example of that. I had a particular news channel do a story on me about some of the talks I've been doing and uh, the company and then it got dropped because there was a story that was going to be uh, – after mine which is about uh sheep shearing and they felt that what i was talking about which is animal cruelty free and and uh of course vegan lifestyle conflicted with the story about sheep shearing so they get the sheep shearing and drop my story
0: mm, so yeah that, that, that can happen yeah
1: that's <laughs> right so so that that actually really affected me and sort of prompted me to say well you know what i'll invest in media that I can control and I'll grow it that way. And sure, it might not have the same uh, level of following initially, but at least it's authentic. At least it's it's not going to get pulled at the last minute because of other reasons. So...
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean that is something because obviously you know I train people to do their own PR and to put themselves out there into media and obviously it's true nothing is guaranteed and sometimes things get dropped but there there can be benefits to doing both and I know you've been featured in uh, in some other media as well um, which is which is great but um, yeah no thank you for for sharing that and as I say it's good to kind of have that balance between getting out there in the media and also um, creating and becoming the media which is what we can do nowadays which people couldn't really do before so that's fantastic now in terms of the word vegan then in your marketing materials and your branding on your website um, there's two schools of thought one is that oh it's still a scary word maybe we should use plant-based um, and the other is that no it's becoming more trendy now it's okay to use it um tell us a bit about your philosophy around how much or how prominent you use the word vegan or not
1: well proudly all of our products have got on the front certified vegan so immediately if people are looking at the at the brands they'll identify that as a vegan product if you look at our social media uh have because of the, the acronym of prana on uh the p stands for plant-based so the whole word prana on is an acronym
0: oh for, i was going to ask you about that Yeah, tell us about that
1: <laughs> yeah so prana is sanskrit one of the oldest languages on earth
0: for breath um, is it
1: Life force, yeah, breath or life force, yeah. And so Prana uh, is really what I found a lot of our customers before I had a name for the brand when they were just using the protein that I had that I was making sample runs for. They said to me, wow, I feel fantastic. And these are people that that they're not vegan, they're athletes, they train really hard, and they said, I love your protein, it tastes amazing. And having done a lot of yoga at the time, I really felt that that was their prana really turning on. <laughs> so so the, that word prana was the uh, what was happening to them, their prana was turning on. But then prana on is also an acronym for what our products are crafted with, which is plant-based, raw, alkaline, natural and gluten-free organic nutrients. So prana on is what our products do and prana on is what they're made from. So for me, that... that uh, Plant-based was part of the formation of of the brand. And I I really don't see a difference these days, a difference, to be honest, in marketing, whether it's vegan or plant-based. I felt like a couple of years ago, it it might matter, but more and more vegan is being associated with health. The the cruelty uh, aspects of of, uh, animal products have become more and more uh, prevalent. Certainly in my Facebook and social media feed, yeah. I can't, get, I can't get away from it. I know. <laughs> so I'm sure that's like everyone else out there. Uh, I know I do follow a lot of vegan people, but still, there's a heap of information out there. There's more and more vegan op- options coming available in the mainstream. So I don't feel that it's a word that we need to stray away from. Although I will say that, uh, that we all know people that um, may associate themselves as as vegans and they're not the best at at putting the message out there and they therefore uh, tarnish maybe the hard work that, that people are trying to do um, out there, but they're a small minority. And I, I just don't believe that now that's an issue that used to be vegan was hippie vegetarian was hippie, all that kind of stuff, but, or it was, it was fringe, but it's so much more mainstream now. I think that it's, to me, I'd see it as a product attribute. So nice. if, your product, yeah. if your product is marketed as vegan, that isn't, or, or it is vegan, that's an attribute that many companies now are picking up on that's worthwhile stating. Yeah. So it, it just, it's, a, it's, it simply summarizes that, Hey, this product is free from any allergens generally, uh, or certainly the the animal based allergens. Uh, and then it, It obviously lends itself to being cruelty-free and and potentially better for the environment. So it's a stamp now of approval versus being uh, a product that that might uh, isolate or ostracize people that weren't necessarily vegan.
0: Yeah, for sure. I know when I've been to a couple of the trade shows here, the organic trade or natural expo trade shows here, and so many of them now, the word vegan is uh, all over the place, which is uh, fantastic. And it's nice that, you know, like you say, you've got such good feedback about the product and how it tastes amazing and how it makes people feel good. And having that associated with the word vegan is a real plus, isn't it? Because we've got so many decades of negative stereotyping to get over. So yeah, that's good. I like that. I ask that question of everyone and everyone answers in a different way. Because it, it does depend, I think, on the uh, the type of business they have, whether a service provider or a product business. So it's it's great to hear that. That's fantastic. Thank now you. we talked about um, we touched on it earlier about the collaboration, and I um, and I believe you have a brand ambassador program whereby you choose certain people to sponsor. So I'm curious about that and sort of how it works and what the benefits are to the business.
1: So we have certain people that have good or strong standing in their community they might be influencers so they they're either achieving a high level uh, in their chosen modality of sport or they are a social media influencer or they're an influencer in the mainstream media that they love what the brand stands for and they also carry a lot of weight as far as their community goes so our our brand has benefited from having people that endorse the product and they do it authentically. So these are people that were using the product anyway. Uh, Generally they're people that were already endorsing our product in some way, shape or form. And we've just formalized it and said, okay, we'd love to have you as part of our community, as someone that we can, we can show up to, to, you know, other people that look at our brand and say, this person's using it or that person's using it. So uh, that that's been uh, a real plus for us. And, it's been a big aspect as, as far as our growth goes as well as having people that really believe in uh, what we're about and sharing it with, with their community.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you touch on that. You say they were already using the product anyway and it was authentic because I know sometimes there's a bit of uh, sort of I suppose, weariness around so-called you know, brand ambassadors in that it's like, you know, I guess it's been personified by the Kardashians, you know, being paid to spruik products on social media, what have you. So do you just provide, when you choose those people, do you just provide them with free product or payment, but they're already on board with the product anyway? Is that right?
1: I won't put them on Katrina unless they already, uh, first of all, if they're not already paying for our product, then that, that to me is an issue. If they just want free product then they're already not on my radar because if they're not prepared to pay for it, then how do they expect anyone else to, or really do they think it's worth, you know, what will we ask for it? So they already have to be prepared to already buying it. That, that to me, if they're already doing that, great. Then they are already a, a true user of the product. And secondly, are they already sharing it or uh, are they talking about it, promoting it? To their friends. If they're doing those two things, buying it, and secondly, are they promoting it already without having to be asked or or incentivized, then I'm interested because if they're doing that, then it's authentic. And that's the first test. Are they an authentic person that actually believes in what we do? If they don't pass that test, they're they're not an ambassador. It's as simple as that.
0: Got it. It's interesting because I think a lot of companies wouldn't take that kind of ethical approach that you are. I think a lot of brands would go, oh, good, that person's already promoting our stuff anyway. Why should we bother paying them or giving them free stuff? So I think it's actually quite a a nice ethical stance that you're taking there.
1: Well, it actually, again, it lends itself to that authenticity that I believe is different about our brand to other brands. Definitely,
0: so, definitely. I think that. that's a real standout. I think that's, that's very cool, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. really, for those people who are perhaps where you were a while ago when you were in your banking job and they're aspiring to own their own business and run it on you know, vegan principles, what in your opinion, what are the key things they need to do or to take into account before quitting their jobs and becoming self-employed?
1: Well, they say that you make a living during the day and you build your fortune during the night. So, mm-hmm. I would say to them that they're going to have to work hard to bring that dream into realization prior, before they turn around and lose their income because that money that they're they're now having to live on from the business could be reinvested back in the business to help it grow. So, I had staff before I'd quit my job. So, I I had people promoting the products, uh, in places before I'd left where I, I was working at the time. So that was important to me because I realized that for every dollar I took out, that was one less dollar. I could reinvest in growing the product pool, growing inventory, growing, you know, having marketing people, all, all those sort of kind of things. So I made sure that, um, the business already was sustainable so that when I was had to rely on it, that I could do that. And it wasn't easy. Uh, but certainly it was um, the best decision for me to be able to then uh, have have enough of a business there to support me uh, within six months.
0: Within six months, was it? And then you you were able to work on it, leave your job and work on it full-time?
1: No, well, I'd actually... I did the first way around, actually, Katrina. I did leave my job with a. I got. A, I did leave banking with uh, with a bit of money, and then I literally ran it all down trying to get the business going. So then I had to go back and start working again. And I started working uh, and virtually part time, but it paid well. And then at the same time, I was building the brand and building up that side of the business. So, and I still maintained an income from the job that I had.
0: Oh, fantastic. Now, thank you for sharing that. I think it's good for people to, to hear that, that it, it's a, it doesn't mean that if you do what you did, and I've had other people I've interviewed on the show who have said similar things, you know, they kind of quit their job and then they actually had to go back part-time for a while and one person even went back full-time I think and then eventually they got to a stage where they were able to run the business full-time so I think it's good for people to hear that so they don't think oh my god you know I've got to go back and get a day job it means I failed it doesn't it just means that you're making a smart move to sustain your business so I appreciate you sharing that so on that I guess that leads nicely into funding and we're just coming up to the final couple of questions now in terms of funding the business so if as much as you're comfortable saying I'm curious what were some of the ways that you manage to grow the company because like you say you've got staff you've got a sales team you're in all these um you know retail stores you've got a you know a, a successful business so how have you funded it and, and do you, what, what do you think are the pros and cons so for example I don't know if you have investors or loans whatever you're comfortable with sharing
1: sure so I think that um well being a banker I haven't gone <laughs> down the path of getting banked it because I know that typically what that entails so without any trading history without signing over your house you've which is what you have to do i didn't want to uh, debt funding wasn't the way to go so certainly initial investments or or small uh seed investment can help but ultimately if the business isn't isn't going to stand on its own two feet anyway then you don't really have a, a business you've got I don't know what to call it. It's not a charity. It's, it's something else. It's a uh, an exercise in uh, futility because a business should be profitable. A business should make money. So uh, how much it makes depends on a whole range of things. But if your business model is right, then you can, you can actually do it without having to seek external funding. So, uh, and that's by scaling it. That's by if you want to have a company that does a hundred million dollars a year, then first have a company that does fifty thousand dollars a year. So, I, I believe it's just about scaling. You might have big dreams, you might have grand ideals, but really bringing that back, and and at the same time, uh, not overspending, not overcapitalizing on on certain things, but just always thinking about. Is this model sustainable? And is this going to work? Can I keep doing it this way and then build on it? Because if you've if you've got a business that relies on just one person and the profit margin is quite small, you'll never be able to put on other people because the profit or the or the um, the expenses just can't go up that high. So it really is about understanding how to how to look at your margins, how to. Uh, also reinvest as well, so not take anything out or take very little out uh, initially, and being smart about that. So uh, there's businesses that will invent a product, they'll get it contract manufactured, and then they'll get it, put it put it with a distributor, and they're left with just a small margin in the middle to market the brand and build a business. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty hard, and you'll spin your wheels after a while. After a year or two, you get off the ground, it is very hard to then scale up. You've got to then suddenly try and either manufacture yourself or then you've got to try and distribute yourself. Whereas if you actually just started doing those things as as best you could in the initial stages, you can then build on those other sides of the business and then ultimately you've got more margin to reinvest and to um, bring in people and scale up. So there's many different ways that funding can work. If you can, try to do it without it, without funding, and try and do it with scaling. So, I respect all those businesses that start like I did out of the boot of a car or out of a farmer's market or somewhere because it's passion that that'll get you going and that'll keep you going. And you'll, if you can, then start seeing the bigger picture and build on that success and keep scaling up and do it smart. You, you can be. Uh, at the other side of it with, with a business you can be proud of.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you said about the scaling up because as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, we see like TV shows like Shark Tank and, you know, the, the investors on there, they're all about, you know, taking businesses and scaling up. And it's so it's kind of curious to me how you. I think it can be tricky for some businesses to scale up without that external money coming in, which is why a lot of them kind of get into doing those deals with investors and obviously that has advantages but it also has disadvantages as well. So it's interesting that you've been able to do that to scale up without the need, I assume, for external or giving away part of your company.
1: Yeah, look, there's, um, there's different ways. I think if you're going to... Um give up party company. It's not just shouldn't be just for dollars. It should be for a set. So have someone that can actually bring a set of skills to the table as well uh, that can assist you with that growth. So if you throw money at a bad business, the money's just going to go anyway. If you have someone that's got skills, they're actually can then contribute towards that growth picture as well. And they've got skin in the game and they can participate in that as well. So I think uh, if whenever there's money on the table, in terms of equity, it should be with uh, with a skill set or at least an advisory position. Someone that can actually assist you as a, as someone else you can you can turn to because it can be a lonely world out there in business. Yeah. So someone you can, you can turn to and say, "What do I do here? What do I do there?" And they've already got the runs on the board, all those success uh, stories that they can they can look at and and then start to uh, assist.
0: Got it. That's really good advice, actually. Very good advice. Yeah, not just going for the dollar amount, which, you know, I often get people contacting me saying, oh, I've got this great idea for a business. I don't have any money. Who can you, you know, connect me with that can invest? And it's like, you know, people are not generally going to invest unless you've got, like you said, some skin in the game. And it's not all about the dollars. It is having someone there, yeah, to help and mentor you and, and bring that skill set in. So that's fantastic advice. So just to wrap up then, Billy, what's your long term vision for Eco Superfoods? Because you, you created the brand prana on but now i think you've you've got a like an umbrella company called eco superfoods under which you're introducing uh, additional brands as well if that's right so tell us a little bit about yeah what your long-term vision is for the company and for yourself
1: yeah we'd we'd love to uh, become a company that provides solutions to all types of consumers in the health and supplement superfood space so that's the idea of bringing in other brands that uh that Resonate with another type of consumer, or that our our customers could can look to and and look for a different solution. So for us, it's about as a company building a great team, being a different company, standing for what we we believe is right, uh, and that's I believe uh, conscious capitalism. So uh, being mindful of our impact on the environment, staying away from products that involve any animal cruelty, and providing the very best health solutions out there on the market. So. Uh, that's what we're going to do as a company and for us it's it's about bringing and and attracting the right people to help us achieve that vision and uh, that's uh, it's a very exciting journey to be on i think it's still really early days despite having some success now i'd like to think that uh, that there's still uh, room to grow
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you and, you know, really speaking to a genuinely ethical brand and seeing it profitable. Because I think, you know, in the past, it's kind of like, oh, you can, uh, there's this sort of mindset. And I think particularly in activist circles, and I've discussed this with other guests on the show of, oh, well, you know, in order to be, you know, successful and make money, you've got to be evil and, you know, uh, hurt people, animals, or, you know, ruin the planet. And it, I, I always find it very inspiring to speak to businesses such as yourself that, like you said, they are profitable, they're making it a success, but are also making a difference, um, which is fantastic. So I'm very excited about your success to date and I've no doubt that it's going to be go even greater, which is wonderful. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Billy. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, Katrina. It's been great joining you and uh, I look forward to hearing more of your shows as well. I'm, I'm a, um, a great um, listener and I think that what you do is fantastic. It's highlighting that businesses that that do stand for uh, something and, and obviously business leaders, entrepreneurs that are finding their way in the world uh, despite what you've said that, that there's that view that you can't do it uh, ethically or you you can't uh, have a profitable company or uh, you've got to burn people on the way. But I do believe that, uh, that you can certainly build something that you can be proud of.
0: Awesome. So that was Billy Simmons from Eco Superfoods. You can find out more at ecosuperfoods.com.au. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 88. Now for our vegan business news roundup. A new online vegan supermarket based in the UK has launched with a filter system to allow people to select products based on their personal values. NotFrom.com offers items that are cruelty-free, not from animals and planet-friendly. As well as offering all natural foods, all the products are plant-based and have fewer or no nasties in them. The goal is to assure customers that the products they buy have little impact on the planet. Some of the filters include biodegradables, palm oil and zero waste. Consumers can even filter by gluten content and calories. In the long term, founders Dana Levy and her husband said they plan to follow the lobbying and legislation route to drive change for the vegan and sustainable movements. So again, we're seeing a point of difference with vegan businesses, in this case providing customers with the ability to filter their vegan items even further. Great stuff. Elmhurst Milked, the former New York dairy giant that switched to producing plant-based milks last year, that's 2016, plans to release more new products. Joining its current line of cashew, hazelnut, almond and walnut beverages, which are made with the company's patented cold milling technology, are milked oats, milked brown rice, milked peanuts, milked peanuts chocolate, milked almonds unsweetened and milked hazelnuts unsweetened. The dairy had been running for more than 90 years before 83-year-old CEO Henry Schwartz made the decision to ditch cows and use nuts and other grains to make plant-based milks. Excellent decision. <laughs> Elmhurst Milk is also set to launch a vegan egg replacer made with Aquafaba in February 2018. Fantastic. Love seeing the innovation from a company that saw the light like and embraced plant-based products completely. Finally, while it's not quite following Elmhurst Milk's lead yet in completely eliminating animal products, a Dutch meat company is shifting half its focus to plant-based proteins, reports Dutch News. Family firm Svannenberg Food Group, which has been in business since 1929, is making the move in response to a declining consumption of meat products. Owner and director Aldo van der Laan said this trend towards eating less meat is irreversible. As a food producer, we're looking to profit from this by buying specific companies or building more factories, he said. The company is aiming for 50% of its turnover to come from non-meat products such as vegetarian snacks, soups and sauces. How great is this? It just goes to show that as activists, we can influence both society and business by driving down consumption of animal products. And this is what needs to happen more and more so that plant-based products become the norm. Exciting times. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.